Hello and welcome to... And he got in. Strike three. Caught looking with Erica. Today I'm joined by a former New York Yankees first round pick, Major League All-Star, World Series champion, and YouTuber. Right-handed pitcher, Phil Hughes. It's the year 2000, and I tell you, in less than 10 years, you're going to put on pinstripes and win a World Series with A-Rod and Derek Jeter. What do you say to me? Are you like, that's funny, I win? What was I doing in 2000? I was in eighth grade. Um, so yeah, I would, I would call you crazy. I think, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, it was wild. It was, I was so blessed to like even be, it, it's kind of funny sometimes. Cause I think about it and I'm like, if I had been a higher draft pick, I would have gone to a team with really, you know, that's kind of in a rebuilding stage. Um, and given the circumstance that I was like middle, late first round, I went to a, to a great organization and um, was very blessed in that way because no one person wins, um, you know, World Series on their own. So it was, uh, it was definitely like a, a fortunate experience for sure. You're still a first round pick. So obviously at that point, going to college isn't even in the question. Like you're not going to say no to that opportunity. But was there any pressure at all from your parents? Did anyone still want you to go to college or did you ever feel like you were sort of missing out on that opportunity? Yeah, no, for sure. My, uh, so I was 17 when I, when I graduated high school. And, uh, so I had, I couldn't sign a contract legally without my parents' consent. Um, and my mom really wanted me to go to school, but we had made an agreement before the draft that if I went in the first round, I was going to sign. And if I didn't, I would go to school. So uh, she was kind of hoping I'd change my mind, uh, but I, uh, yeah, I was, I was really happy with the way things worked out. And, um, you know, sometimes I sort of regret, you know, missing out on the college experience, but it's one of those things where I kind of, now that my career is over, I, I enjoy other, you know, passions in my life and I can always, you know, pick up an online class or whatever and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, further my education in that way. So. You can't really regret that, can you? Because had you gone to college, you may not have a ring in your possession, right? Or yeah, or I could have gotten injured, which happens to a lot of guys too, and then their careers, you know, never turn out the way they could have. So yeah, definitely no regrets in that way. Um, but if you ask my mom, I think she would she would definitely be like, I just wanted him to get a degree. You know, she's funny in that way. But um, yeah. it, you know, no matter the successes and you know the money and all that other stuff, she always kind of. Um, holds on to that a little bit but um, yeah she's she's over it now but (laughs) I would hope you said you had an agreement that if you were picked in the first round you would do it so obviously there was talk about that you you realized by that point that you were pretty good at baseball but was there a moment that you kind of sat back and you were like wow I'm that good this (laughs) isn't just a dream for me I am gonna be good enough to play in the major leagues versus just being a little kid that plays baseball and has big dreams I mean I it was one of those things I felt like, um, you know, coming up in high school, I would, you know, I was always being compared to people that, you know, were ranked ahead of me or, or whatever it was. So I always kind of held that chip on my shoulder a little bit. Um, you know, my junior year, I, I got a, a, a full ride offer to go to school. <clears throat> and that was like good enough for me. Like, I thought that was the pinnacle, you know, like I get to go to college and, you know, do the whole thing and my parents don't have to pay for it. And, you know, it's, it's great. Um, and then my senior year is kind of when I realized like, Hey, this might be, you know, an actual, an actual thing here. So, but I don't know. I just, I guess I always compared myself to people that, 
uh, other people thought were better. So I guess, you know, even in high school and then in the minor leagues that always, I don't know, kind of motivated me in that way. Yeah. Did you ever play any other sports growing up or has baseball always been your one and only? Yeah, no, I played, um, I played basketball from basically from like fifth grade until high school. Um, and being in Southern California, like it's a very competitive, uh, sports kind of area and even more so for baseball. And it's not that they deterred you from playing multiple sports because, you know, obviously if you wanted to, um, nobody's going to hold you back. I think that's great to kind of, you know, pursue different things and find out what you really are passionate about or good at. Um, but basically, they, you know, they said, if you play a winter sport like basketball, um, you're not going to be available to start practicing for baseball until, you know, you're going to be behind, essentially. And so I just made the decision that, you know, I don't really think basketball is something that um, I'm going to excel at in the future. So I may as well just focus on baseball. You're from California originally. Then you move out to New York eventually. And being in New York, I feel like there's so much more associated with being a Yankee than just playing baseball. You're the face of the game. Talk to me about the weight that is carried with that. What's the standard there? Do you feel like there's a lot of pressure that you need to uphold just the Yankee brand and the entire MLB? And when you go out in public, there's a way people expect you to act and dress. I mean, things as simple as, you know, you can't have facial hair, stuff like that. But you understand the difference because you played for other teams after. So just how much different is it to be a Yankee and be held to that standard versus not only just other teams, but anything else in life, living anywhere right. else? Yeah, I mean, for sure, it's it's different. It's a lot of pressure. Um, but I feel like they do a good job there because they know that. And so you're sort of like, you're sort of brought up in the minor leagues with, I mean, we had like media training um, as early as, you know, A-ball, just getting guys ready because if you are, you know, going to make it to that level, you're going to have to deal with those things. You know, it's so much more than just performing on the field. You know, you've got, you know, good outings, bad outings, like you always have to say the right thing and you're going to get torn apart if you don't. And um, I remember um, what a teammate of mine, a guy that was similar in age, we actually grew up in the, in the same area here in Orange County. Um, he was on the Yankees at the same time and he had an outing, I believe in Anaheim. And, you know, he, he, I don't think he got out of the third or fourth inning and gave up like six, seven runs. And after the game, he said, you know, I felt like I made some good pitches and he was just being honest, but that doesn't fly, you know, <laughs> like, um, they want you to be, you know, ultra accountable. And, you know, if you give up, you know, a bunch of runs, be like, Hey, I, I stunk today. Like I didn't give our guys a chance to win. And he was just kind of like, you know, I felt like I made some good pitches. I just didn't, you know, maybe execute a couple things quite, quite right. And, and he got torn apart for it. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where you just have to know the animal you're dealing with. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it definitely teaches you to be very reserved in, in what you say and very, uh, I guess, cognitive of everything you do. Cause that, uh, yeah, it can be brutal. It can be great when everything's going good, but it can be brutal when things are going bad for sure. But what about aside from baseball, even like, Back in 2009, 2010, could you just go out in the city and get a drink with your friends? Can you do that without people coming up to you and asking for an autograph? And You know what? I, I feel like uh, a lot of New Yorkers have this ego where like they don't really want to, they don't want to act like they want an autograph from you. Um, 
but I mean, people will definitely come up and say hello. And I, I felt like they were, it was never overwhelming. Obviously, you know, I was just, um, you know, a, a pitcher and there was obviously, you know, bigger guys on our team at the time, but I definitely felt comfortable, you know, going out and um, having a drink, like you said, or, um, you know, people would be like, Hey, you know, keep it up. Good job. And then you kind of leave it at that. So um, yeah, it definitely wasn't so much of like a fanboy thing. It was just more of like, people would recognize you and they'd give you a look and, um, you know, kind of the New Yorker, like too cool for school mentality sort of thing. So it, uh, that part was good. I hear you grew up a Red Sox fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> you get drafted to the Yankees. Like it doesn't matter how big of a Red Sox fan you are. That's right. incredible. But was part of you like, wow, this is ironic. Or what were you thinking? Yeah, there? for sure. I think it was, I think it was more strange for my dad because that's why I was a Red Sox fan. My dad grew up in Rhode Island. And, um, so that was his favorite team. And then, um, so that was my favorite team growing up and we'd always go to angels games when they played the Red Sox that one series a year. And, uh, yeah, I was a, I was a huge fan. I mean, I had, my bedroom was painted, um, green monster green, like from a, from a, what do they call those little color swatches? Like, a, um, like I matched it perfectly, uh, to be able to have my bedroom. And then I had like a Nomar Garcia para or, uh, poster in my room because I was my favorite player so definitely I was a hardcore fan um, you never tell your teammates that right yeah yeah exactly I think when I I think when I first got drafted one of my first interviews people had already knew that about me so it was like people were like what well it's like yeah. you know I didn't I didn't choose who drafted me I didn't choose who I was a fan I mean I guess I chose who I was a fan of but I was a fan because my dad was a fan you know but um, it's yeah, it was it was kind of funny right of course but then so when you're playing a guy like David Ortiz, you kind of have to hate him when you're a Yankee. But when you're pitching against a guy like that, as much as you want him to lose, you want to strike him out. Is there a little part of you that's like, damn, this is David Ortiz. Like, this is so cool. Like, I admire this guy so much, aside from just the, I need to strike him out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not at all. I, at that point, I was like, I had already grown like sort of, I wouldn't say a hatred, but uh, I was not a fan of, of the Red Sox by the time I got to that level. But I will tell you this, uh, when I, the year I was drafted in 2004 was obviously the first year that the Red Sox, um, you know, had won the World Series in 86 years. And so at that time, I had just played in rookie ball. Like I went off for, um, you know, I think it was three months, you know, short season rookie ball and come home to California. And I'm watching the Red Sox play uh in the world series and i wasn't sure how to feel i was like like i've been a fan for so long i've never got to witness this this is amazing but i'm like but i'm also a yankee but i'm not really a yankee like i'm just you know i'm low level minor league so it's definitely a very weird feeling to to have to go through that emotion of like i wanted to see the red Sox with the world series you know and then uh the first year they do it i'm you know ironically an employee of the yankees at that point but uh so that part always sticks out as kind of funny because I did kind of, I did like a very subtle fist pump. Like someone was watching me. <laughs> right. Got to be careful. Yeah. Um, and do you still keep up with the team? Like, do you sit around and watch Aaron Judge bat? I do. I do. I enjoy watching baseball. Um, actually, this is kind of the first year that I've enjoyed um, actually watching baseball again. Uh, the first year after I retired, I had zero interest. Like I'd seen enough baseball to last me it felt like a decade at that point. Um, 
and then last year obviously with the with the no fans and it just kind of felt weird i wasn't really too interested but this year i've actually taken quite an interest in and watching and there's so many young players that are you know so exciting and it seems like every guy throws 100 miles an hour now and um i think it's a great time to to take advantage of of watching a game that's been at a level where i don't think it's ever been before so i'm actually i'm in a fantasy baseball league this year which is a first for me well not a first i think the last time i played was in maybe like seventh or eighth grade so <laughs> so who's on your fantasy team oh uh good question let's see um I have uh, Eric Hosmer, who's who's off to a good start for San Diego. Um, Trevor Story is my shortstop, but I spent I spent all my you know salary slash you know fake money on uh, Degrom because uh, he's dominant. He can he can carry a team. So speaking of carrying a team, what is going on with the Yankees this year? What what do you make of this? I mean, why are the Red Sox doing incredible and the Yankees aren't? I mean, this is not what we expected. Do you think this is just, it's early in the season, things are going to turn around? Or did you not think the Yankees were going to be as good this year as everyone was saying? Do you think part of it is just they're the Yankees, so people expect they're going to be incredible no matter who's on the active roster that year? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I think it's it's sort of a mix of both. Um you know, obviously their, their roster is, is very good and everyone sort of expected the Red Sox to be kind of in a rebuilding phase. And I think that is going to, I think that's naturally going to adjust um, because I, over the course of 162 games, like, you know, talent does sort of start to kind of even itself out. And, uh, but I mean, that's not to say that the Red Sox could, you know, shock some people and, and make a run, but uh I still think the Yankees are very good. They have some things to sort out. You know, they always have their injury concerns and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it should be exciting. I, I kind of like just being a, I'm not a fan of any team really um, anymore because playing kind of ruins that for you. Um, so I just like to watch and, um, and and poke and prod on Twitter because I know all Yankee fans are freaking out right now. And <laughs> It's funny, the year we won the World Series, I think we started out sort of the same. Um, uh, I think we were like four or five games below 500 at one point and you know, the world was, was ending, the sky was falling and, um, and then everything ended up being all right. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny. People love to overreact uh, to early trends because it's, it's something to talk about and people enjoy sports for that reason, you know, to, to, you know, be happy to have all these emotions kind of, you know, happening. And so you tend to see kind of more um, knee jerk reactions early in the season. And then once the summer kind of rolls around, everyone's like, all right, we'll see how this sort of ends up. Going back to when you played, how do you move on from accomplishing the be-all, end-all, the peak of your career, everything you could ever want when you're in your 20s, which is obviously winning a World Series? It's like, what's next after that? Of course, you know, you're married, you have a kid, you know, those are great moments, but is, is there anything in life that even compares? Or do you sometimes feel like the greatest moment of your life happened when you were in your 20s is, is that kind of weird uh, yeah i mean from a career standpoint sure like i think the the birth of my son is my like greatest moment um and then winning world series you know comes shortly after that and, uh but yeah it, it is kind of odd from a career standpoint to it's like what's next because you know as a as a still fairly young guy at 34 um you know, you still want to feel accomplished in something. I think that's a basic human need to like, um, you know, to want to succeed and to want to, you know, work towards a goal and all these things. And 
So after taking kind of a year, two years to kind of just sit back and relax and enjoy having the freedoms um, that I normally didn't have of like, you know, being home for a summer, um, I think uh, now I'm kind of like searching for the next thing. And so, um, as you know, like, you know, the, the card thing and YouTube and, you know, all these other things where I can kind of, you know, it gives me something to, to work at and to strive for and, you know, feel successful at. And, you know, like I said, I think that's every, I think that's a need for every human to, um, to not be like, okay, well, I did this in my twenties and now I'm good, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah. So I, I think that's definitely, definitely a factor. For sure. But one thing I was going to say, and you know, you kind of already said this, but what's cool about you and makes you definitely different from all the retired players is that, you know, you go on Wikipedia and you look you up and it says occupation YouTuber. It doesn't just say retired baseball players. So, I mean, yeah, because there are a lot of guys that are like, all right, I did this in my twenties. I have all this money. You know, you don't have to ever work or do anything again, but what made you want to continue building a legacy for yourself? Is it just you enjoy it you wanted to do something instead of just sitting around for the next 70 years and you know <laughs> yeah I mean it, I, I think it's definitely that like kind of what I touched on like I just everybody wants to uh, feel successful at something you know and and I think that's why a lot of guys go into to broadcasting or they open businesses and restaurants and these sort of things they don't need to necessarily do that if they're financially set but they still want a sense of accomplishment and you know, if they got seven kids running around the house, they probably want, you know, to get out of the house a little bit too. So, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's a, uh, something that everybody goes through and I just happened to really enjoy sports cards before, you know, any of this happened. And then I sort of saw, you know, a, a window of opportunity on YouTube where I can, you know, maybe, uh, you know, do something that, you know, could monetize my channel and, and have fun with that. And I already had friends that, um, did the whole YouTube and Twitch thing. So I was like, I got a lot of great advice from them and I just kind of rolled with it, I guess. Going back a little bit, Miguel Cabrera, let's talk about him. What do you think when I say that name? What does that bring uh, you it's kind, of, it's kind of been like a meme thing now, right? Like I was the first one to kind of even bring it up because I, I, I mean, you go that long, I think it's like 55 at bats and it's just, yeah, completely dominated me my entire career. And I, I like that. I, I like to have fun with things and I don't take myself too serious. So I, I kind of throw, I threw it out there like, you know, Miggy's my daddy and all this stuff. And so now people roll with it, but it's all fun. Like I, I like I said, I'm, I try to be a, um, a pretty humble guy and don't try to take myself too serious. So if there's, if there's a funny joke laying in there somewhere, I definitely exploit it. 65, 59, 45. Why three different numbers? Why these numbers? I feel like a lot of guys will just stick with the same number on multiple teams unless there's a reason not to. So tell me about these. Yeah, so my the number I originally wanted to be um, was 45. Um, but when I was in New York, uh, 45 was my high school number. It was the number my dad wore in college football. So that was kind of where that started. But um, when I was with the Yankees, I wanted something with a, that ended in a five. Uh, 15, Thurman Munson. 25 was uh, Jason Giambi. 35 was Mike Messina. 45 was Carl uh, Pavano. 55 was Matt Sui. So 65 was like the basically the only thing I could even <laughs> consider asking for, you know, obviously with many of those being retired and, and whatnot. So uh, that's where 65 came from. And then when I signed with the Twins, 45 was um, our third base coach. So I uh, negotiated with him to to get that number from him and he 
he obliged. I think I bought him a set of golf clubs or something like that. Um, and then when I went to the Padres, uh, I was, I basically had gotten released and then traded. So, uh, they were like, Hey, here's your number. I'm like, okay, he <laughs> can't really, uh, you know, being, you know, someone that they just kind of, uh, made a little deal for, you can't exactly be demanding certain numbers. So it's like, that was the Jersey that was in my locker. And I'm like, all right, cool. All right. I've never thought about it like that. I always thought that you your numbers, but there are situations where they're just like, this is your number and you just go with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I was a 20 year old kid. I'm not going to go up to, you know, Mike Mussina, Jason Jambi, be like, Hey bro, like, can I, you know, let's, let's work something out for your number. You know, I'm like, uh, I was just trying to not get in anybody's way and stay completely under the radar. So I was like, Oh, 65, that's got a five in it. I'm cool with that. So, um, yeah, that was kind of it. Being a pitcher, do you think that the universal DH is absolutely necessary? How much did you hate having to bat? Yeah, I mean, not even so much hate having to bat. I was always just so jealous of these National League pitchers that could uh, that could basically have to face, you know, a very below average hitter once every time through the order. Because, um, I mean, you know, pitching in the, or the American League East, you know, there is no let up in some of those lineups. Um, you know, you get to like the eight, nine hitter and they're still, you know, a major league hitter. <laughs> you, you get to the nine hole in national league and it's, you know, a pitcher trying to do what guys train their entire lives doing, um, you know, to, to get to that point. So I was always a fan of the universal DH idea just because it puts everyone on a level playing field. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's silly that one league has certain rules and the other one has certain rules. Like you, I, I just think that's totally weird. If you're going to have the pitcher hit, have them doing it both. But if you want a universal DH, like that's cool too. So I'm just sort of on the idea of like, let's see everyone on an equal playing field and, um, and see where, you know, guys numbers are at that point. Yeah. But when you did have to hit, did you ever wish, all right, maybe just this one time it'd be fun to get a hit or did you just want to get out of there in hopes you wouldn't get injured or something before? Yeah, you got- no, I was, I was always a decent hitter in high school. So like I would take pride in it. Um, we would take BP and I would always take it super serious. And, um, you know, I always wanted to get a hit. It never worked out. I did barrel a few balls and, and got unlucky, but um, it was a fun thing as an American league pitcher that spent, you know, 99% of my career in the American league. You do look forward to those just cause it's something different that you can um, do. But I think for the sake of the game, the DH is definitely um, the way to go. I mean, I look at it this way. Nobody's, nobody's paying money um, to go to a baseball game and watch any Joe Schmo off the stand in the crowd, you know, uh, take at bats. And that's essentially what a pitcher is doing. Um, they're not, they're not, I mean, you, you look at any other sport you're watching, all the athletes are elite at what they do. And in baseball is the only sport where you're watching a guy getting that bat that has no business being in the batter's box. So that's, uh, that's kind of my view on it. You're a few years out of the game now. Do you still keep in touch with a lot of the guys? Like if you're in Miami, are you going to call up A-Rod and be like, yo, let's grab a drink, let's get lunch or in general, like, do you guys have group chats you talk in or what's the, especially like a World Series team, you have to really bond with those guys and have a special relationship as a team, right? To accomplish Yeah, that. no, for sure, for sure. Like I keep in touch uh, from that team, uh, Brett Gardner, A-Rod, CC. Um, and yeah, I mean, if we're ever, you know, kind of in the same area, we'll, we'll catch up. And I think, I think winning a title kind of bonds everybody because it's so hard to do and I think everybody has their own appreciation for everyone that contributed to that because 
it is a very special accomplishment and you can i mean like with the red sox for instance you see how long you can go without one and it's not uh it's not easy to do so i think there is a special bond there um and yeah for the for other guys i i keep on you know i keep an eye on how they're doing and you know text and if we're the same area um yeah we uh we'll always catch up and that's kind of that's probably the one part i miss most about playing is the camaraderie and um uh, being out on the road with the guys and and you know hanging out but um yeah so i still try to keep in touch with as many people as i can and um, the guys that are still playing follow their careers as well just to end it off on a good note give me one piece of advice you have for a young kid that wants to grow up and be just like you wants to pitch in the mlb win a world series one day what do you say to them oh uh, i mean just so my biggest piece of advice that i give to to most kind of, you know, middle school or, or high school players is just be open-minded about playing other positions and, you know, take advice. Don't be stubborn. Um, you know, I see a lot of kids are like, well, I, I played shortstop my whole career, you know, up to this point, like, that's what I want to do. Um, I always thought I was going to be a third baseman and I really enjoyed hitting and, and all these things. And, you know, somebody, you know, suggested I get on the mound and I was like, okay, well, um, I guess I'll try it. I really don't want to be a pitcher, but, um, I actually didn't even start pitching full time until I was a sophomore in high school. And, um, you know, I, I just, so that's my thing. It's just, don't be, don't be so, don't be narrow-minded, you know, keep an open, an open mind and, um, try out other positions. Cause you never know what could, what could stick or what someone sees in you. And, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's my biggest piece of advice for, for young guys that want to play and make a career out of it. Yeah, well, sophomore in high school, you got real good, real fast, clearly. Yeah, no, it was it was fun. I mean, I I, I had the the luxury of growing. I think I was I was five four my freshman year of high school, um, and by my sophomore year I was six one, and by the time I graduated I was six five. So um, I went through some crazy growth spurts, and that certainly didn't didn't uh, help things. But even if that's not your situation, like just you know. You never know what could click with you, for sure.